Tyler Merriam alongside the director of athletics at South Dakota State, Justin Sell. There was an event last night, there's an event today, and yet this is nothing compared to last week. How in the world did we survive last week? You had uh, Friday activity, uh, you had four different events on Saturday when it's all said and done, plus one on Sunday. It was uh, quite a weekend last weekend for SDSU Athletics. Yeah, we uh, hopefully gave our fans a, a whole bunch of things to do and <laughs> and uh, might have sold a few beers along the way as well, but uh, really fun to be at home and, and obviously supporting our student-athletes. Our fall sports have gotten off to a great start. They're exciting contests, and we played really good teams, teams that are in the tops of standings too. So, um, you know, it, it was a really cool weekend, and, and certainly any time you have the Hall of Fame, they're just at a list that so many emotions and thoughts about our history and tradition and uh, it, it was really special and that's coming off of several weeks where it feels like momentum has just yeah. continued to grow. Uh, let's talk about a couple of those sports that had home events this past weekend. Let's look at soccer. Soccer entered this week one of seven Division One programs that had not lost a game, that either won or tied every game. That's some pretty elite company that Brock Thompson's team is in. It is, and I think it, we're up to 40, I think, 40 uh, matches uh, at home uh, without a loss. And so it, this is now extended for a few years. And, um, you know, the consistency with which we play, and uh, we played really good teams uh, by standings, the top two teams from last year uh, outside of us. And so you had this kind of combination of, in uh, an a rivalry game, uh, certainly with USD. So um, out of the gates, uh, you know, a lot kind of riding on it. People don't understand you have eight chances in soccer. We don't do a round robin. We don't play everybody twice. And, um, you know, the standings are set based on basically eight matches. And so to see them get off to a, a really good start. Soccer changed the rules, too, so everything kind of can end in a tie. There mm -hmm. isn't that kind of overtime period or golden goal uh, type deal and, and certainly not a shootout or penalty kick. So um, you're seeing how teams maybe play a little more conservatively and maybe play for the tie, especially as they get deeper in the second half. And just really proud of Brock, really proud of our ladies. Uh, they're playing at a high level. They're very fun to watch. Uh, and it's a team that you could see if, if we can work through and win the Summit League, they got a chance to do some damage in the NCAAs. Yeah, I think Brock told me there's an additional 14% of games are ending in ties now in soccer. Before it was somewhere around 15%, now it's up in the upper 20s. So significantly more ties are occurring now in soccer because you don't have those overtimes that you used to in the regular season. And you could you could see that by the strategy, mm -hmm. and uh, we obviously have a few dynamic players, and they're double teamed. Uh, teams are uh, pretty physical, and they're kind of filling up the box and making it hard to have angles to uh, to kind of get around and score. And then you know at Fishback, the wind plays a big part of that. Uh, you know, t typically it's kind of going south to north at this time. It'll turn probably here in the middle of October to north to south. But um, you know that's a, a challenge that you have to work. Around. Around and some of your windows are just smaller, especially going downwind. It's actually harder to get the ball in the net. Jackrabbit Volleyball on Saturday night. Uh, what a turnout from South Dakota State fans. A new single match attendance record obliterated the previous mark. Frost Arena was rocking seven nights ago. 
It really was. And uh, Dan, Dan's done such a great job connecting with the community, certainly recruiting uh, more locally and then branching out from there. Um, you know, he's a, a likable guy. Our student athletes uh, and, and the growth in our program and our competitiveness and, and chances to win uh, has continued to grow. And he had set that as a target, uh, you know, when, he, when we hired him. He's like, we have to beat that attendance record. And then to kind of smash it, uh, you know, by 50% really and, and – um, the, I think selling beer and creating that atmosphere certainly coming on the heels of a, a football game. How many people stayed to do both and just take in the Jackrabbits for yeah. the day? Uh, uh, there was some energy in the building. We're so appreciative of people showing up. And it's a great sport. It's a fun sport. And I, I think uh, the crowds are going to continue to come. I don't know that that record's going to stand very long. Beer sales for three football games now migrated over to Frost Arena for volleyball. It will continue into the winter events in Frost Arena as well. In your opinion, working with your staff, how has that gone? It's been amazing. Uh, you know, and, and we've said many times before, it's one element. There's a lot of things that go on in game day, and, uh, you know, and there's all kinds of different people you're trying to uh, uh, entice to come out to the game and, and be uh, uh, participating as a fan. But I, I just think that balance, um, the people that I've talked to that have been in the stands uh, have remarked this might be the best feel of any season we've had. Um, and just people are having a really good time. Uh, it's uh, well within the lines, uh, you know, and it's just adding a whole nother piece. And certainly we're driving some revenue. I think we're driving some interest, uh, high quality teams to come watch and you combine it all. Um, and it's gone uh, unbelievably well. And, and Sodexo, our partner's done a great job. It's super easy to get a beer at a game and um, and we've managed extremely well to it. I, and the other thing is I think it's improved tailgating. Our, our tailgating is uh, uh, as good as it's been and, and spread out all over the place and it really feels like a true Big Ten, Big 12 tailgating environment. And uh, that's something that we were looking to, um, to address as well. And part of that, too, is just the growing numbers and the turnout of Jackrabbit Nation at home football games, averaging over 15,000 for the first three games, expecting a big number today. Of course, you have Hobo Day hanging out there in a few weeks. We know that's always a great turnout. But you look, it's three of the top 15 most attended games in stadium history. Even going back to Coughlin Alumni, you're talking three of the top 25 all time. We haven't gotten to today. We haven't gotten to Hobo Day. Uh, it's impressive how people have rallied around the second round football team in the FCS. Yeah, there, I think there's that build. I think coming out of the pandemic, there was a few maybe disjointed years. You know, you're just trying to figure out how to get through it. And um, uh, our fan base is so supportive. But you, when you pull off the highway, and I've heard the stories, the on-ramp coming uh, or off-ramp off of I-29, cars are backed all the way up onto the highway. I'm, I'm from both directions, north or south. And uh, that tells you people are coming from uh, uh, farther away. And, uh, you know, that's the most important part of our continued growth in regards to attendance and uh, couldn't thank our fans enough it's been amazing actually to see uh, that that kind of transformation and th these games are several thousand people higher than we've had in the past and yes they're setting records but they're also setting a bar that I think our expectation here uh, we, sh we we're getting to a point where we'll be selling out games uh, multiple games every year and you can really feel that um, and uh, we're going to need it uh, as we continue to grow into this but um, 
it's sure fun to have a full stadium, and I know our student-athletes really appreciate it. All right, let's talk a little bit about the scheduling in the Missouri Valley Football Conference because people look at these things and they love to ask why and how this all works. So I'll let you give us the inside look because uh, South Dakota is the game today. Coyotes had last weekend off. And some would say there's something to that or whatever in reality the pieces of the puzzle of putting together a schedule for the Missouri Valley Football Conference are rather challenging, are they not? Am I going to be censored? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, you know, the truth is it really is. And I think some of those dynamics as we added UND and now certainly as uh, Missouri State comes in, those schedules continue to be kind of updated. And so it's hard almost to hold a history together. You know, I talked to uh, uh, both Patty and Greg in the Valley office, you know, years ago, we had kind of four years put together where we played USD, UND and NDSU back to back to back weeks. And, and that's challenging from a health and safety standpoint and, and uh, certainly uh, those games are different. Those rivalry games are different. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate enough to have two, uh, and I would say UND is coming. You yes. know, I think it's there, too, and, and getting in there. So um, some of our other schools in our league, frankly, don't have a rival. And so we might look at the schedule a little different. I'm really appreciative we've been able to stay off as an opener. Uh, was, you know, kind of a scheduling quirk that um, we, we had kind of requested in the Valleys worked with us. I think that works magically here in our state and makes a difference and so there's things that maybe you have to give up a little here and you get a little bit on the other side and then the buys kind of get put in a lot based on your non-conference schedule and opportunity that scheduling has gotten more and more difficult certainly some because we're good Uh, not as many teams maybe want to raise their hand and sign up to play the Jackrabbits but um, you know every uh, year has a unique twist to it and um, and I think we were talking earlier it never has Stiggs 1-0 been more important because you just kind of have to take that challenge that's in front of you. Uh, there's no excuses in this thing. You know, we're, we'll play anybody, anytime, anywhere, and I think you have to be willing to step up to that plate, and I know our guys are, uh, and we'll figure out how to play our very best on those given days. And the nice part is we've built this program that our very best can beat every team on our schedule. So we just have to uh, execute to that level, and it'll take care of the rest. Well, one more point about the scheduling process, too. It's done a number of years in advance. And we all know, hey, four years ago, Western Illinois had one of the most elite passing teams in the nation. Indiana State has had years where it's right on the verge of or being a playoff team, and then years where it's essentially down in the dumps. Youngstown State went to the national championship one year, and a couple of years later, fires its head coach. So these things do tend to ebb and flow. The consistency of the likes of an SDSU or an NDSU in reality is not what most programs in the Missouri Valley or the FCS deal with. Without a doubt, and look, we want to play those that are closest to us in it from a geography standpoint, and then they happen to obviously be rivals too, and there's history there. And so as you look at schedules and what teams might come off in a six-year period now, because that's kind of the scheduling rotation, we're certainly not going to take NDSU off of our schedule <laughs> or USD. We we really enjoy the um, uh, UNI game or UND. We have so many, and those are well-attended. Uh, they're great contests. Uh, they're everything thing you want to, in regards to football season. So some of that is a little bit based on geography as well. You're 100% uh, accurate there. All right, let's talk a little bit about today, and this is certainly a rivalry game with the University of South Dakota coming in, part of the South Dakota Showdown Series. But again, we talk about the big picture in all of this, and if SDSU is to make a deep run into the playoffs and be a top seed and earn all those accolades that John Stiglmeyer and his program want to, this is a must-win game. 
Without a doubt, and we've talked, uh, you know, outside the program, inside the program, uh, you know, and and I think one and zero is a great mindset for our guys. For all of us on the outside, though, you're planning on what do we need to do to get to a certain point? How do we position ourselves to have home games in the playoffs or a top eight or top four or top two seed? And so all those things come into play because we're always making plans for success. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's be honest, the last several falls we've had a team in a great spot, and um, frankly, we've lost a few home games. We've been really good on the road. I would love to see our road record because it's amazing how well we've executed on the road, which is really, really hard to do in the Valley. And uh, We've had a few home games where we maybe just didn't play our best or the other team, frankly, raised the level and and, uh, came in to get us. A lot of those games happen as you get into later October and someone's backs against the wall on being able to make the playoffs. I would argue USD's in that position here today. Um, You know, they they can't afford another loss, and so we're going to get their best effort and that's what's interesting about the month of October is you mm-hmm. tend to get everybody you're positioning yourself in the same way we're talking about this so are some other schools and so we just got to come out and, and try to take care of business today but this is one of those games that we really need to win if we want to keep all of those other uh, goals in front of us.